and I just walk around. I want to be swept off my feet, you know. I am prepared for amazing things to happen. I can handle it. Alright gang, what is happening? I am Mal Foster and you are listening to the latest episode of your third favourite above average, sometimes, but infinitely curious podcast, Dined Out. A show dedicated to exploring both the mysteries and the meaning of life. An audio kaleidoscope of fangs, claws and fur. Yeah, this week we are diving into something very different. Something very different in terms of the content that we have covered on this show so far. We've looked at alternative lifestyles and hobbies and communities and, uh, I guess, sources of identity or, you know, elements of, of identity to a degree. But nothing quite like this. Yeah, as you can tell by the title of the episode for this week, we are in fact going to be diving headfirst into the world of furries. Now, if for some reason, somehow, some way, you are completely alien to this term and you have no idea what a furry is at all, like even on a base level, then I think this is going to be kind of eye-opening for you. I hope it's going to be eye-opening for a lot of people, actually, because I feel like most people do have a base level idea of what they think a furry is, or what they have heard a furry is, because there is a reputation to this community. But we're going to kind of dive into that in many other areas. Yeah, this is something that has sort of fascinated me for a while now. I don't particularly get it. It is a little bit strange to me. But by digging deeper into it, I have learned a lot more about it. And more to the point, I've learned about the positive elements that it really brings to those that are into this, that do consider themselves furries, and how it has got a lot of positive, life-affirming, and in some cases, life-changing aspects to it. To help me dig past the surface veneer and the mainstream reputation that furry culture has, I had a lot of help from not one, not two, but three willing participants within the furry community to talk to me about what it is to be a furry and and so much more about the different elements to it. We haven't done an episode like this before, so this is a little bit experimental in terms of splicing up different interviews. And hopefully, I've done an alright job at it. Hopefully it is above average and it does actually work. But I guess you guys are the ultimate judge and litmus test for that. Anyway, the first willing and very gracious participant in this experimental conversation that I talked to was Phil. And at the time of recording this, Phil was really new to the community. So that was a very interesting perspective to get. Wait, I can actually quantify how new I am. Okay. Because I remember it's more than two weeks. I know that much. <laughs> so the, the 23rd of last month. Oh, wow. Okay. So about three and a bit weeks. That's when I considered myself a furry. Okay. The second willing and very gracious participant was Austin. And Austin has been in the community for quite some time. So again, kind of the polar opposite to Phil in the sense that he's actually spent quite a bit of time in the community and in its own right, a pretty unique perspective as well. How long have you actually been a furry? Oh, gosh. Um, I've been a furry for many, many years. I got active in the community about six years ago, but I identified as a furry long before that. Okay. Like, how how long, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, gosh. I'm... How old am I? 27? I probably... The earliest I could think of was probably like 14, 15. Okay. 
And last, but certainly by no means least, because it is a very even playing field here at Dimed Out, we do have a third willing and very gracious participant, but they will be revealed later. Mmm. Yeah, how about that? But for now, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it. Take hold of my paw as I lead you down the rabbit hole. Or the foxhole. Or the, I don't know, badger hole. Whatever works for you, I guess. What is it that actually sort of clicked for you that made you realize that you were you were a furry? Honestly, it was mostly the anthro characters and uh, honestly the one that I most connected to was probably the Star Fox series. Oh, okay. Um from Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. So my experience is kind of a little different from others because growing up I didn't have the internet until I was like 17-ish years old Uh so i didn't really know there was a community i didn't know there was other people right so so you uh, until i got the internet i was just kind of like oh i'm the only one that likes all these things (laughs) that must have been kind of like an eye-opening thing when you discovered there are other people that have this interest as well my experience is a bit weird because i was in denial about it for a while because I i was very careful to choose my words as saying when I considered myself, because a couple months back, my friend, IRL, he's like, all my life, furries have just been this online thing. Mm-hmm. And then he comes along, I met him last year, and he's, like, unapologetically a furry. Okay. So, like, he's public IRL and everything, and I became good friends with him. And as I talked with him, I was like, am I a furry? In in your perspective, what actually is a furry? You see, you see, that's what from the very beginning I've been thinking about this ever since <laughs> you, you posted that on Reddit. Uh-huh. Actually, even before that, very recently I had to look up what business casual was. And yeah, a lot of the websites had a very very good description, which I probably could put to the furry community. Okay, which is there is no formal dress code for business casual. Right. So, there is no formal dress code for a furry. <laughs> That's good. Generally, like that. generally, if you like anthropomorphic animals and you say you're a furry, then you're a furry. If you like anthropomorphic animals and you don't mm-hmm. say you're a furry, you're not a furry. It's a very, very open interpretation, and there's going to be a lot of people who don't really have a as free of an idea as I do about okay. it. So um, there's there's people in the community that just have a very straight, concrete definition and a guideline to what it is, and there's no sort of wiggle room. And there are people outside of the community that do do that. Yeah, too. yeah, but, I, I imagine so. Sure, yeah, that's mainly due to just being a big community, mm-hmm. because a lot of the stuff within this within the furry community that you hear on like the news, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's. Stuff that happens in every single online community. Yeah. But the thing is, is that there's a lot of people in the furry community. There's a ton. So obviously with a higher sample size, you're going to get a lot more hits, if you know what I'm saying. A furry is, in most people, 
and the community will agree on this. It's kind of like the universally accepted term is just somebody that's a fan of anthropomorphic characters. Um, whether it be, you know, like from Disney, from video games, something of your own creation, just an anthropomorphized character. When it comes down to like the bare bones of what the community is, that's what it all revolves around. It all revolves around that one idea of liking anthro characters. So how does this manifest itself in terms of like what exactly does a furry do? Well, really, to me, it's participation in the community as a whole. Mm -hmm. So even like just putting colors on an image that slightly looks like a fox and posting saying this is my fursona. That's you could do do that and then you'd be doing the furry stuff. Okay. A furry, most of us have online and sometimes IRL in real life uh, personas that we call fursonas. Um, That's just kind of like we have a character that is an anthropomorphic character of whatever species you want, whether it exists in real life or if it's a fictional character, you know, like a griffin or some other species. Oh, okay. I have one. It's a it's a flamingo. It's okay, that's a, <laughs> that's a unique take. It's very unique because I, when searching for stuff to make it, there's only like one base, which it's basically if you don't have the artistic capabilities, then people make things for you to color in, and then you can say this is my persona. And then, are you the only flamingo persona that you've encountered so far? It depends on what you say encounter. What you consider encounter. Like, have you met anybody else that has a flamingo as a fursona? Met? No. I've definitely seen a lot more flamingo fursonas, but I can safely say that mine's the only one that's not pink. <laughs> okay. See, I'm, I'm really curious now. What color is your flamingo? So for anybody actually wanting to look this up, if you look up Gulf Oil Racing Livery. Okay. I know it's insane, but you'll see basically this light teal and this bright orange on a car. And that's basically what that is, what it is. Um, why, why exactly a flamingo? What, what came to mind there? There's a couple of reasons. The YouTuber James Key, he actually got me into VR chat. Oh, okay. Not, not him himself, but the videos. But right. Got you. Yeah. Basically, uh, his outro is Sunset Park by a band, actually, no, not a band, an artist called Flamingosis. Okay. And that led me down a rabbit hole, and so that's where the flamingo comes from. So that's normally, like, the main avenue. Then some people take it further, and they'll actually get, like, a fursuit of their character. Imagine that kind of like a mascot costume. Okay. And this is presumably custom-built to, to fit what they have in mind. Most of them definitely are like a suit maker will make a fursuit and then they'll sell it as a pre-made and that you kind of like buy the character from them. Got you. What fursona do you have? Do you just have the one or are you somebody that has multiple? I have multiple. For me, it started off with a blue and silver Arctic Fox. Um, And then after that, I made a Puffin character. And after that, uh, one of my friends made a species for me. And yeah, those are pretty much the three that I have. 
What what species did they make out of interest? I'm curious by that. They're called wispins. They were in she created them based off of moths, reptiles, a couple of other things. I think a kangaroo was part of it. Like she didn't take body parts off of these and just slept them together. Right. But she like drew inspiration from them. Okay. So So it's like a hybrid of those. Yeah, yep. But still with anthropomorphic features as well. Yeah. Okay. And which which one is which persona is is kind of your go to at the minute? Currently, it's probably uh, Silver Wind, the um, Blue Fox. Okay. Uh, he was the original one, and he's just kind of my default. Okay. And how how did you kind of come up with that? Like, what is it that kind of steered you to kind of going for that? Mostly it was, I just, I love foxes. I'm a huge fan of big fluffy tails and they have the biggest fluffiest tails. Yeah. <laughs> so, and blue, and blue is one of my favorite colors. So I was just like, oh, let's make him blue. Okay. So it really is kind of just like a reflection of parts of, of your interests and, and personality, I'm guessing as well. Do you inject part of your own personality into a persona or is it, like a completely different sort oh yeah of, yep do, do you find people that do that though that like will kind of try and replicate their own personality into their personas there'll be some people that do that and then there'll be some people that just take the opportunity to be somebody completely different is that something you would encounter there's a lot of both of that i myself do both yeah silverwind and castello that's my puffin those two are very much me just like Mm-hmm. as an animal like they the characters the same age they share the same interests and whatnot okay but on the other hand there's people including myself that and this is kind of where people will make the distinction between a persona and a character okay a character is just like it is what it is it's a character just like you would see a character in a video game or a book or a tv show right. it's just like it, imagine you're in theater and you're just putting out a show for somebody that's kind of what it is whereas the fursona is more you Mm -hmm. got you yeah there's there's definitely a very very clear distinction there it's it's interesting to see that both of those exist because i can i can definitely see reasons for both of them for sure if you're kind of going to throw yourself into this because with a fursona you can really kind of just i suppose for people that have maybe been uncomfortable with who they are or uncomfortable with sharing who they are this is a good opportunity for them to do that. Yep. And for, for people that are kind of, I don't know, trying to sort of move away from certain parts of their personality or, or what have you, or just kind of explore something else, a different mindset, perhaps a character kind of comes into to an advantage there. One big thing that a lot of people do, um, especially those in the LGBTQ community, let's say they are born female but they identify as male they will have that male character mm-hmm. um so that way online you'll know them as he him instead of she her right. or they them whatever their pronouns might be so in terms of your persona like to what extent are you kind of throwing yourself into it is this just a case of you creating art um have you gone to the lengths of making a fursuit for yourself like how how deep have you gone into your fursonas i do have fursuits uh i wish i could say i made them myself but i am nowhere near crafty enough to do so okay but i do have one i have a 
full suit of actually all three of mine now. Uh, so I have a full suit of the fox, a full of the wispin, and a full suit of the puffin. Okay. With with the first suit, because I'm curious, and to to what does this do for you exactly? Like, does it kind of connect you closer to to the fasona? Like, I'm just trying to figure out in in what way this this sort of plays a part in in your interest in this. It does, uh, in a way, get you closer to not necessarily the persona, but like being in character, being who you want to be. For a lot of people, including myself. In public situations, like if you're at a fur meet or a convention, when you have the suit on, when you have the head on or the mask, whatever you want to call it, it kind of drops that anxiety because now there's like a barrier between you and the other person. All they see is the super happy, cartoony looking face that you're wearing instead of you. So it makes a lot more people feel comfortable in how they act and behave in public. So you you feel like I, I mean I don't want to say a, a barrier because that's that's kind of putting a negative connotation on it I guess but it's kind of an enhancer for people's mood and just overall sort of I, I guess self esteem in that moment as you say it kind of drops that sense of anxiety you feel it kind of enhances positive qualities for people yeah okay yeah definitely just being around in my opinion just being around the like cute cuddly looking things just makes me happy and it does a lot of people and it it's a lot easier to act like a fool and act like a goofball when people don't know who's doing it they just see the suit they don't see who's in there doing it like if you were if i was running around doing the stuff i did in suit without the suit on i would be like wow i look like a dummy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but when i have the suit on I, I just don't care right i suppose yeah i suppose it, it kind of with that sense of anonymity it really kind of gives you a sense of liberation that you wouldn't have without it is it just strictly for conventions and meetups that you would you would adopt the fursuit or is this something that you you use in, in your personal life like like when when does the fursuit get cracked out Mine are pretty much, yeah, just for like fur meets or conventions or just when I hang out with some other furry friends of mine. Or, you know, just like if it's a nice day out and I feel like having a small little photo shoot out in the backyard or something. Okay. Uh, those are pretty much the only time they come out of their totes. Okay. For other people, they are very much, um, I'll, I'll be blunt here, I'll call them suits because that's what they're known in, in the community. <laughs> Um, they are used for the bedroom activities. Okay, and they're called what? Mursuits? Uh, yep, Mursuit. M-U-R-R-S-U-I-T. Okay. All right. Okay, that's a good, that's a good segue. I think, I think we can, we can kind of get a good picture of where you, you, you're going to from there. Um, so th- I, this is something I do want to, address. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let, let people use the feature of the mind to, to go to wherever they feel comfortable with that this is something that kind of has become synonymous to to the general public's perception of furries and to as we we talked about to anybody that kind of doesn't know about the community that hasn't been active or involved in the community or know anybody in the community it has kind of developed a reputation for being very sexually orientated strictly sexually orientated to the public eye Uh, it really kind of has got itself a sort of reputation for being almost a fetish. Uh, My question for you is, 
like how much is that actually warranted? How much of this that does revolve around that aspect of it? Well, I've seen a lot of news reports about it. I haven't seen a spectrum of news reports about furry community mm-hmm. because I'm going to be honest. I I grew up and it was taboo mm-hmm. as heck to be a furry. Right. I watched stuff that was like, no, furries are bad. And right. Media portrayals of furries aren't the best. And I can't really say that that's not warranted because okay. as with any big community, there's going to be bad apples. Yeah. But my friend, he showed me that it wasn't just a right it was a wider community that's what it was so so you had kind of from your peripheral understanding had kind of like i think most people assume that it is more like a fetish based thing so presumably you've kind of had that in the back of your subconscious and that's what you mean about sort of putting it as a taboo and then you're having this sort of lifted open a little bit and shown that no it's not just that there's all this to it as well well, I always knew that it wasn't just a sexuality thing, you know? But I don't think that would have been reinforced as much as it had if I didn't go into VR chat mm-hmm. with a furry avatar and then actually realize, hey, this is a pretty cool community. I sort of want to be a part of it. There's a lot of adults in the community. And when you have a lot of adults that share the same interests adult things are going to happen. Sure. And anybody that says it doesn't is a liar. Right. That being said, though, there's plenty of minors in the community. There's plenty of people that don't make it about the adult things at all. Like, it's... The community gets that reputation mostly back in the early 2000s. There was a CSI episode on TV that aired that portrayed furries in that light of this is a fetish. This is what they do. Right. Uh, Honestly, though, too, if you look back in like the 90s era, like the pre 2000s era, like kind of before Internet times. Mm -hmm. That was that was very much the case. Like it was primarily a NSFW thing. Right. But over the years it has evolved to be so much more. I would say that much more of the community is more family friendly, more public outgoing instead of the bedroom antics. Right. So you, you think that's kind of overshadowed as of speaking now in terms of the community in a contemporary setting? is kind of overshadowed its its sort of roots of origin and it is more leaning like there's a bigger saturation for sort of family friendly stuff as you say. Yep, definitely. Um there's that reputation in it. It's not gonna go away. There there's really nothing that can be done to make it go away. Nothing that we can do anyways. Right. And then even within the community you have the infighting of NSFW, SFW, are kids allowed, are kids not allowed? You have that, like, butting of heads in the community on that topic, even. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask about that. With your experience in in the community over the last six years or so, have you found that there's been a lot of infighting? Is there, like, a hierarchy of sorts, or is there, like, a lot of splintered sections and sort of fissures within the the group as a whole yeah there's there's definitely a bit of infighting like i said a lot of it not a lot but a bit of it's due to that like what do we allow what do we not allow how should we be perceived by the public 
how much do we reveal to the public kind right. of thing. Like there's people that believe the community should be strictly SFW. There should be nothing NSFW. There should be nothing adult about it. Then there's other people that are like, this kind of perpetuates what the public view is that they're like, no, for it's a fetish. We're all here because we like this and get over it. But the majority of people are just in the middle and we're like, just all exist. There's a wide array of things and you can look at it as a hobby, as a fandom, as really a lot of different things. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because I think there's there's a bit of vagueness as to how to categorize it. You know, I've seen some people refer to it as a fandom. Some people see it as an actual identity. And yeah, that was definitely something I was going to ask. In, like From your perspective, what do you see it as? It depends on how deep you get into it. So like if you go into like the Reddit r slash furry that's a fandom mm-hmm. but if you go into like the different sub communities like down into there's a not going yet into it but there's a subspecies <laughs> called a protogen that got really popular recently what sorry was it called protogen protogen okay and basically that if you like go into that i I'd, I'd say it's more like as soon as you get like a fursona and then actually start using it as more of your profile picture and then seeing yourself as it because i've talked to a lot of people and they oh this is something that's probably different because i play a lot of vr chat Mm -hmm. not sure if you played that but no that's something that helped me get realize that i actually was a furry okay but there's a lot of people who are on it and say i don't see myself as myself anymore when they think of themselves in their head, they don't think of themselves. They think of their fellow I think at that point, that becomes an identity, but that's just me. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fair assumption. I consider it to be a hobby, you know, just like being a gamer or woodworking or being into cars. Like, right. it's just an interest of mine. It's not something that rules my life. It's not something that, like, this is who I am. It's just a part of me. Uh, that's the way that most people Mm -hmm. I have met feel, but I also see the outliers that are like, no, this is who I am. Right. Do you, do you see that often? Because that's something that interests me is, is the idea of sort of, uh, identity and, and where that kind of gets blurred because I, as, as there's definite sort of, um, positives for this in terms of, of this being an avatar of sorts for people to feel like they can be more open and more themselves and even discover who they are themselves a little bit more through this. But I think there's also a real potential for people to kind of really get too much into that persona or fursona and, and kind of lose themselves in. Yeah. Yep. That that's definitely a thing that happens. There are people that in my opinion, do take it overboard. They do make it their entire life. Um, there's also, and I'm not an expert on this topic, but the furry community does have like a kind of high, not population, but like a density of people that identify as Therian or other kin. Um, and if, for those of you that don't know, those are people that believe they are an animal in a human body. And those, in my 
experience, those kind of tend to be the people that are like full dive into it. Yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, I think that's a safe assumption if they're if they're kind of applying that mindset. Yeah, have you encountered many of, of those people that are that far into it? Um, not a whole lot. Only a hand few, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So they they identify as an animal, and they believe that they are just in a human body. Yep they they believe that they're like a kind of like reincarnation. They in a previous life they were an animal, or okay. their soul is an animal that has gotten trapped in a human body. Like I have seen them refer to like their parents as my human parents or like they will make the distinction between how things are and like how they view them. So like Mm -hmm. my human parents or my human friend or like things like that. Yeah. Something I'm interested in, and this kind of ties into that is for for people that are that far into it, for people that have kind of uh, adapted to that mindset, do you feel like there's a possibility of, of losing a sense of human connection with other humans as well as themselves as a human, which it seems evident that people at that level have, have at least begun to do? The the ones that, again, they identify as other kin or Therian, so they aren't like that's more kind of like a subculture of the furry community. I know it's right. kind of weird for like a subculture to have a subculture. Oh, no, but... no, no. Oh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know what you mean on paper. Yeah, it does sound it, but I suppose every group and community has different sections. So yeah. But yeah, so that's like, it's definitely more prevalent in there. Anybody that I know that isn't like a part of that other kin theory subculture is they know the difference between your online personality and who you are just like everywhere else. There's different groups of people and it can be very hard to judge a group of people just by the handful of people that you know, or that you've seen. Right. But from your experience, the six years that you've been active, do you think it's safe to say that you've you've kind of, you've encountered more people that are able to recognize the distinction and sort of detach themselves from it. Oh yes. Uh, 100%. Like I said, the, the ones that I haven't, you know, it's just a handful, you know, like four, maybe. Yeah. Out of, you know, I, I admin a chat on telegram that has 600 members and there's, I think only one or two of them in that group. Have you encountered so far as your time as a furry, somebody that just seems like they are maybe too much, like too into this? Even before as a furry. Oh, right. Let me just be honest. Like I said, that just comes with a large base. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah. Do you do you feel like there is a potential danger for somebody to lose their identity in a fursona? Like, not just in terms of, like, the, the sexual gratification, but in terms of no longer really identifying as a human being, as a person, as the person they've known, but rather identifying more as this this avatar they've made. See, that gets into transhumanism, and I... Yeah. And I'm, I'm not entirely sure, and because I, I don't like to speak on stuff. A lot of times I don't like to say that i know something when i don't got you even if i do uh-huh if you know what i'm saying 
Uh, no, not really. Uh, is, is that just to, for safeguarding yourself? Basically, because I, I, it's much nicer to look stupid <laughs> right. than not be called stupid. Right. Okay. To, yeah, I, I, I get you. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I, it's, it's just to me. I mean, like from from the I, little. I understand like, the question. Yeah, yeah. It's very intriguing. Yeah. Because again, it's all about degrees, and it's like any community, you're going to get people that really invest themselves way too much into something, and those that just kind of have an easy detachment from it as well. It's just for me, as as an outsider, it seems like there's a danger for people that really kind of like throw themselves into their persona to kind of lose touch with who they are. There's a possibility of that. I mean, that's kind of a given because there's a, you know, a wide spectrum of possibilities. But to me, that's that's interesting. And, and hopefully it isn't the case, but you kind of have to consider that it, it may be that there are some people that, especially online, because they've detached themselves from the real world, as it were, a little bit, that they have lost themselves a little bit too much in there. Yeah. If that if that makes any sense. It makes a ton of sense. And like I said, I don't have near enough the experience and really anything to back that, to right. answer that. But right. it, it's interesting. I'm not the guy to, I'm not the guy to ask that <laughs> question to, but it's interesting. <laughs> I think there's also an interesting sort of side tangent, which kind of does lean into the sort of sexual aspect of it a little bit, with people becoming um, more and more sort of attracted to anthropomorphic animals, if that has like a long-lasting effect on their attraction to human beings or their connection to other human beings. So not much, so not so much just their connection to themselves, but other people as well. I... Uh, I don't think that sort of like how a guy's not going to go on to Pornhub, look up big-titted blonde babes, and then not connect with five-six brunette girl that they love. I, I think it's, you know... The- I, don't, I don't know about that, I'll be honest. I think there's definitely a psychology in that, and it, it stems from, from the, the level that they're at when they're putting themselves into that position. And again, there's degrees to it. I think the average person, no, absolutely not. But I think there will definitely be some people that are desensitized to real connections based on, on that. Um, I, I mean, I'm not a psychologist. I'm just, just like <laughs> throwing I'm that either. out. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the things is that the connections you make are distinctly human. Right. It's, and at least for me, I would say it's less about distancing yourself from reality mm-hmm. and more of, of engaging with someone who you want to be. Okay. You feel like that's kind of at the core of, of most furries is kind of finding somebody that they want to be. I can't make that generalized statement. Right. But if I could, I would. I probably would. But okay. 
It's it's a statement that could be made. Let's say that it's it's a statement oh. that could be made. I, <laughs> the one thing about me is that I don't like I don't like generalizations. No. a lot either. No, I and mean, I think that's good. I think that's that's actually a really good and healthy sort of uh, attribute to have because we as a, as a, as a whole as a collective we we make generalizations and assumptions far too quickly. So yeah, I'm with you on that. So I'm curious as to what your experience with the community has been like. It's been, honestly, uh, mostly very positive. Six years ago, when I actually got active in the community, I had found a a local to my area group on Facebook of furries, and I joined that, and then that group is not very active. Like, it's pretty dead, but they pointed me to an app called Telegram. It's just kind of like a... Of like a version of Kick or WhatsApp. Okay, that is so much more active. I met a whole lot of people through that app. Some I only talk to online. I only know them online. Others, you know, I, there's at least a dozen here that live 20 minutes away from me. I have several friends that are that I've met through that that are very close. From the start, it's been a very non-tabooish community. If you know what I'm saying. Like a community that doesn't mind not conforming to taboos. One thing that I found is that a lot of times within the community, I feel like the fact that that it's understood its characters that we made, it sort of helps remove a judgmental aspect of conversation and just culture mm-hmm. that makes it easier for taboos to not be seen as taboo. Okay, because it feels like it's a much more open, free space. Not not just feels, it is. I, I, can, I would safely say that it is a much more open and free space. Do you feel like you yourself are more free and open to be who you are and who you... A case of who you want to be, but also who you currently are. Do you feel like the, the community has given you that space? Yes, yes. I'm going to get a bit personal here, but... No, that's fine. Up until I told my friend I was a furry, I I don't know why. I didn't realize it at the time, but now looking back on it, I was just not it in my just life in general. Okay. I don't feel like a completely different person, but I feel like myself has come out, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Because it just it just felt for a while that it's that I wasn't me, right? Like even like just looking at myself through the mirror. Mm-hmm. But now, if I look at myself in the mirror, I don't I don't see my persona first off. Right. I, I see myself. <laughs> I see myself, yeah. but I say that's me. Okay, that's Phil. Right. So you're finding more recognition for yourself. I feel more comfortable with myself Mm -hmm. than I did beforehand. Okay. Well, that's an amazing thing. How are you in terms of like being public with this? Is, is this something that you are public and open about with other people or is this something that you kind of keep to yourself and to, to those sort of social circles? It's not something I necessarily keep hidden anymore, but I also don't go around walking with a billboard on my head like I'm a furry. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
right? It's just one of those things I treat it kind of like, you know, religion or politics, like don't ask, don't tell kind oh, of yeah. thing. Like if if somebody asks, asks about it, I'll tell them. If it's never brought up, they'll never know. In terms of, of people that, that do know that you uh, you are a furry has that reaction been good has that been mixed has it been challenging at times it's been mixed honestly it more depends on like what generation they're from the older like my parents had found out my i'm fairly sure my aunt and uncle and grandparents know they're not like too keen on the idea but like my brother or other people my age normally they're like oh yeah cool whatever right then you do you yeah, I I think that's a, a, something that I've generally seen from what I've, I've dug into this a little bit is that there's definitely more of a generational understanding. Um, for what reasons are, are, are people that you mentioned not particularly keen? Is it because of the, the sort of reputation the community's got? That is that is exactly what it is. Right. As soon as they hear furry, they're just like, oh, you're the people that like are just horny nonstop <laughs> and yeah. fucking... Like, or sorry about propanity. I guess no, no, no. You're the people that do the dirty all the time, and (laughs) yeah, like they—they're the ones that like only hear or only care to know about the not necessarily bad, but like the what shouldn't be public part of the community. Right. The the more what would be considered, I guess, sensational side of it. Yeah, and that's one thing with a lot of furries. Like you ask them how does the community feel about NSFW? And one of the best ways to put it, if you're an adult, adults do adult things that happens. It should stay behind closed doors just like it does everywhere else. Right. Are you generally public about this or is this more of a, has this so it's far online. been? Right. Online, I'm very openly, but mm-hmm. in IRL, I believe 11 people know about it that I know IRL. Okay. How has their reaction been? Uh, most, most of them, most of them don't care. Right. Even the the I don't care. Negative. I don't care. It's right. The, right. It's just, just, just whatever. Care. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, is they're, they're just fine with whatever makes you happy. They're just like, oh, okay, fine, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, that's is, good. That's a good reaction. Yeah. It's the. One of the best reactions I <laughs> hope for. Yeah. Is, well, that would be the best because it, the best one would be, oh well, I am too. But <laughs> right, yeah, that's the ultimate. That would be that would be what you would want. Yeah, but I think settling for just like yeah, okay, cool. That that's a lot better than someone like ostracizing you and being like, oh god, really? The other question, really, that I've got essentially is kind of about like where the attraction to anthropomorphic characters comes from. I'm not just talking about like a, like a sexual attraction. I mean, just like the actual attraction, the interest in anthropomorphic animals comes from. I think a lot of it probably stems from like happy going attitude and quite frankly, their unrealistic body proportions also probably, you know, like the super thin waist or like the, the large torso for the male characters that's what it was for me i i like the characters do you feel that particularly animated characters in older disney films in particular in which animals did possess a lot of anthropomorphic qualities do you feel like that's maybe planted certain seeds 
from a young age into to people that then kind of grow into becoming a, a furry. That's something that I don't that I have no qualms about being generalized about. Yes. Oh yeah, definitely. Like Disney is probably a company that makes furries. Like they. And there's a big joke within the community whenever Disney comes out with like a new film that features anthropomorphic characters, like they know their audience, they know exactly what they're doing. And not to kind of wade into this particular side of things too much, but in terms of like the sexual attraction to anthropomorphic animals, that is the, that's something that baffles me. I'll be honest. Um, and, and you may be very much the same. I don't know, but like, what would you say is, any kind of root explanation to that if there even is one honestly that's uh, a part of what i like about the community i can very much understand the confusion because it's like why do you like that and honestly i don't have much of an answer it's just one of those things i like it because i do i i don't know specifically what it is that makes me like it i the best i don't want to compare it to a sexuality but like that's about the only way I can describe it is like, you like this thing because you do, you like men or women just because you like men or women. Do you, uh, so are you, are you saying that you, you yourself have like a sexual attraction to anthropomorphic animals? Am I understanding that right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. But again, you can't, you can't really explain it. It's just ingrained into to who you are. Yeah. It's not like better than anything else. It's just like a part of the community. So. For anyone that's coming into this new to kind of explain when we say like a sexual attraction to anthropomorphic animals, that's exactly what we mean. Animals with human qualities, not animals themselves. I feel like that's a distinction that needs to be made for anybody coming in. Oh, God, yes. Uh, 10,000%. There is a huge difference between an animated character and the family dog. Like, there. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but some people, you know, it's it's awful. But as a collective whole, society does have sort of very triggered responses to things they don't understand, and sometimes just assumes the worst. So that's why I wanted to throw that in. You know, I don't have any attraction to anthropomorphic animals. I do understand that it's not, as you say, an attraction to the family dog. But some people don't get that, unfortunately. Yeah, no, there there is. If you ask pretty much anybody in the community, there is a huge gap between anthropomorphic and uh, I guess feral is the best term because like feral animal or sure. Well, I mean, yeah, quadrupedal. Is that a misunderstanding that that does happen? Is that a misunderstanding that people within the community or even you yourself have kind of had to sort of deal with? Oh yeah, when. People have found out that I was a fur. They're like, oh, you like dogs. And it's like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> right. This is what I mean, though. People are just so very quick to kind of jump to the, to the worst conclusions, but especially with things they don't actually understand. It's it's a weird sort of response system we have as humans. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to throw that in because I do feel like it is important to, to for anybody that somehow has avoided the term uh, and has come into this as a complete blank slate. I think it's very important to to make sure there is a distinction there. 
All right, gang, so there you go. That was my conversation with Austin and Phil, two furries coming at it from two very different perspectives. Somebody that is very new to it in terms of being active in the community and someone that is pretty established in the community. Yeah, a really interesting perspective and insight from both of those guys, so thank you very much to the pair of you. But I did mention at the top of the show we had a third participant in this experimental conversation, which hopefully has worked to your liking so far. So here we go. This is the the surprise third entrant into our furry chat. Did you say you were looking for more people? I mean, if there's more people available, yeah, that are willing to talk. Um, I'm trying not to get too many because it's going to be a pain to to edit if it gets too many. But yeah, sure. If, If you know of somebody else... I do. I have my lovely fiance here that I met uh, through the furry community. If you would like to talk to her. Wow. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. That's a story that I'd like to hear. So you guys met through the furry community. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Okay. How how exactly did that happen? Was that through online? Yeah, through uh, one of our local furry group chats. And he just so happened to be in the area and we just started talking and then it turned into dating. Wow. And now we're getting married. (laughs) Oh, well, congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Oh, awesome. Um, All right. So what is your persona? Because I'm I'm curious about these now. This is a whole new world to me that's been opened up and I do find it fascinating. So yeah, what's your persona? So I actually am not quite like other traditional furries. I have a lot. Wow. How many is a lot? One that I identify the closest with is just a dog. So she's just like, She's very, very plain. When I made her, I had just joined the community and did not do good on character design. (laughs) But she's pretty much just a pure (laughs) black dog with long purple and blue hair. Okay, nice. I mean, honestly, that's about it. I really do want to redesign her now that I'm, like, more in the community. (laughs) Right, okay. Now now you've kind of got a further foothold into it. You're kind of like, I could maybe do with defining this character a little bit more. Yeah, definitely, especially with my other characters. (laughs) Okay, so what are your other ones? So I have... Hold on a second. I'm going to have to pull out a list. Do you have a list? You do have a list. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I Yikes. I came into this community primarily for the fursuits and the characters because that's my favorite part because I was a big cosplayer before this. Okay, so my other characters, uh, get ready, this is going to be a little bit long. Okay, go for it. So I have a lizard. I have... Okay. Oh, I'm going to be honest, I'm not a big fan of lizards, but I'll, I'll give you a pass. <laughs> She's a fuzzy lizard, if that helps. <laughs> that does help because it takes away the scaly aspect a little bit. So all right, okay. I have a fox. I have a horse that nice. I also put a magnet in so she can also be a unicorn. Uh, oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> I have a hyena. I have my dog. I have a raccoon. I have a uh, blue macaw. I have a rat. I have a original species that my friend made and I fell in love with and now I have a fursuit of it. But it's called a wispin. All right, yeah. Austin mentioned wispins before, yeah. Yeah, he has one too. We have yeah. matching ones actually. Uh that I have a raptor, <laughs> a red panda. And that's all for now, but I still have more that wow, are you safe. How do you keep track of all of these? I have albums in my phone. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Do they all have different personalities or are they all kind of like similarly linked in that regard? 
Oh no, I give all of them a different personality. I have like my really grumpy boy. I have like playful girls. I got like more elegant. All of them have their own kind of flavor to them. The only one that doesn't is the dog that I mentioned, and that's because she's supposed to be more of just me. I've got to ask one question. Why the rat? Why the rat? <laughs> yeah. Um, That's actually because she's a plush-styled fursuit, so she looks more like a plushie more than like a traditional fursona would. Okay. And the main All reason right. for that is because when I was younger, I had a purple rat plushie, and I just really really liked that plushie and it just kind of translated into furry so it's just kind of more of like a it's more of like a callback to that as well as the movie ratatouille is one of my favorite movies so i named her after one of the characters from that movie so it's just more or less there's just ratty things in my life i guess (laughs) (laughs) that's not a phrase i was expecting to hear today but i love it (laughs) So how long have you been in the community for? Uh, I've been in the community for about four years. I actually started dating my fiance like probably only three months into me being in the community itself. Wow. So about as long as we've been dating is also about as long as I've been a furry. That's that's cool. That's cool that you've got those two running sort of parallel almost. So you guys are getting married. Are you going to have a furry wedding with first? No. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> all right like we were thinking about doing a separate like reception with just our furry friends and doing yeah. like maybe a fursuit thing with that and just like rent our own hall for that and everything but in terms of the actual wedding no <laughs> <laughs> okay i think that's a good idea you get best of yeah just kind of like a separate big party sort of deal not like a not like a catering but maybe do like a potluck absolutely <laughs> Um, so you had an appeal to this with with the fursuit aspect coming in from, from a cosplay element, translating one to the other. How many fursuits have you actually sort of got now? How many have you created or, or collected? I hate answering this question. How many fursuits do you have? Wow, it, it's not one for each persona, is it? <laughs> uh, not necessarily, no. I have way more characters than i do the ones that i gave you the list of are just the ones i have fursuits of oh wow okay um, so yeah it's at about 11 right now but i still have more coming soon man it's like a whole menagerie over there yeah i'm <laughs> i'm all about the fursuits that was like my main reason for being here <laughs> do you feel because this is something that i am interested in and we kind of touched upon it a little bit with austin is there's a sort of transformative quality to the fursuits do you feel that it's true like you put on the fursuit and you you not just so much become that fursona but it kind of gives you a sense of liberation or kind of taps into something that you don't possibly get in your human version of of you yeah i could kind of say something like that i mean like i've already said before it's kind of like with cosplay where you know it's just you're something else for a little while you're somebody else for a little while and it's just kind of like a yeah it's kind of like a transformative feeling all right, well, I'm going to leave you guys to it. Um, the best of luck with the wedding and you. your furry reception, which you definitely need to have. <laughs> thank you. And, all. Um, and, and yeah, just honestly, thank you to both of you for lending me your time and your insight. 
Well, there you go. How about that for a wonderful surprise? I was not expecting that at all. I was not planning for that at all. It just happened, and I ran with it, and I'm so pleased that I did. I'm so pleased that happened, and we managed to have that little extra bit in there. Just Even further insight is always welcome, but just a delightful conversation as well. And hopefully, guys, if you've had your wedding, you have hopefully had your furry reception as well. If you haven't, then, yeah, just to echo what I said at the tail end of that conversation... All the best with it. Do let me know. Do let me know what's happened since since we recorded this. I'd love to I'd love to hear back from you about that. Anyway, a big thank you to both Austin and his lovely fiance for lending me their time and their insight. And the same goes to Phil. A big thank you to Phil as well for lending me his time and insight. Speaking of Phil, during my conversation with him, which I loved having, by the way, um, yeah, just very evident that that is a whip-smart man. But in our conversation, something that became very apparent was that he has got his finger on the pulse, and I am a relic lost in time and space. In an attempt to provide, I guess, more definition for his answers, more of a clear insight into certain uh, answers that he was giving to the questions I had asked. Phil made a number of references, and I got pretty much none of them because, yeah, as I said, I am I'm completely out of the loop. And there was a few instances where he's trying to explain things, and I just do not have any frame of understanding for what he's saying. And it was kind of funny to me. I mean, it may only be amusing to me, I don't know, but I wanted to include a little bonus extra of uh, of that stark contrast i've probably recommended like three videos so far but it's, <laughs> it's fine man just keep them coming it's because there's just so many good ones uh-huh. well like, this is the thing any additional material that can can kind of give people a better understanding of what we're talking about is, is always helpful yeah great video i watched before i even knew i was a furry by frederick kudzman does a series called Down the Rabbit Hole, which is a great series, but basically it goes down just the entire history of the furry community as a whole. Okay. If you know the Ugandan Knuckles meme... Uh, I don't. I, I, I'm really, like, not that <laughs> internet savvy. Big meme back in, like, 2017. Okay. Do you know the Among Us stuff right now? Like all that stuff. I yeah. I have played. Hang on, is that the game? Yes, is that the game. where where one person is um like a traitor, and you've got to info like you've got to figure out who it is, or unless you yes. are the traitor, you are the one sort of killing off your crewmates. Yeah, I've I've played that very briefly. I've known about this community about furries for a while. Mm-hmm. I watch Filthy Frank. Do you know who Filthy Frank is? I have no idea who that is, mate. Do you know who Joji is? Guy who made slow dancing in the dark. Um, is no. All right. Anyways, <laughs> you were dealing with someone that's pretty archaic in a lot of ways. I'm afraid. That's why I'm asking. Do you know the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate assuming. that rather than just assume. Yeah, I do appreciate that. <laughs> because I, I'm. Joji pretty... is is a pop singer, right? Uh, or am I getting that confused with something else? He's more. I'm, like mumble rap more. Oh, okay. A, a, Asian mumble rap. Okay. But basically, do you know the Harlem Shake? Yeah. Okay. He's the guy behind the Harlem Shake. 
Okay, yeah, that's that's one thing I can I can latch onto. He's behind that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, the same guy who made uh, "Slow Dancing in the Dark" is behind the Harlem Shake. Okay, I'm learning also a lot. A video called Hair Cake. Yeah, I've, I have no idea. This is this is like really expanding my own universe. So I know I appreciate it, but uh... <laughs> I mean, it's not a Tamagotchi. I will say that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a reference I do get, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, and this is by no means me trying to defend my ignorance, but I will say this, coming in at a level of of that not knowing, oh my goodness, that's not a phrase, those are not structured words, of not, (laughs) coming in with such little knowledge to certain things, it allows me to further explore that and find things that I may like, and that actually has happened in this case. So, earlier in the episode when we were talking about Phil's persona, being a flamingo, and that he arrived at it from the musician Flamingosis. I was really curious about that, you know, having a deep love for music, I wanted to check it out, and that is an absolute treasure find. Like, the music coming from Flamingosis is great, it's so funky, I really love it. So I'm learning stuff, and I'm finding stuff that I'm really enjoying as well. You know, all because of ignorance. Huzzah! And on that note, that pretty much does it for this week's episode. I really, really hope that you got something from this. It's something very different to anything we've covered on the show before, but that is always the goal, to try and remain as varied and as eclectic as possible. And hopefully it's opened up this particular part of the world a little bit more. Maybe you come in with no understanding of what a furry is at all, and you've learned something, maybe you have come in with a kind of peripheral, baseline, mainstream understanding of what you think a furry is, and you've learned more about it, that is the hope, that is the goal. You know, to not only dig into something that I don't know about, but to share something with you guys that you might not know about as well, and kind of just crack these things open, and kind of dive a little bit deeper than the surface veneer. Of course, now that we have covered this topic for the first time and we've kind of got into the basics, the one-on-one perspective of it, we can now go a little bit deeper. So if you guys want to see a follow-up episode that is exploring perhaps a subculture within this subculture, or if somebody within the community that belongs to a subculture wants to get in touch and we want to go somewhere else within this particular realm, yeah, we can absolutely do that. That's definitely one of the major pros about covering a wide variety of topics, is once you crack open the basics, it opens up a whole new network for you to explore even further. So yeah, if you want to go deeper into the to the furry rabbit hole, as it were, let me know. As for next week's episode, we are making a pretty dramatic, radical shift away from this topic into somewhere else, but I'm not going to tell you what that is. To ensure you find out where we go next... You just got to come back. You just got to come back next week. And the best way to do that, the easiest way to do that, is to simply subscribe if you haven't done so already. You get every episode following this beamed straight to a device or presumably devices. You would think so. I, I, I would imagine so. Again, my internet knowledge, yeah, questionable at its very best. But you get every episode sent straight to you without you having to do a thing. That's the point I'm trying to make, which is ace. You know, that's great for you. And it's also great for us because it helps us out tremendously. Tremendously? Oh, my word. Tremendously and enormously. Sure, let's just go with it. Tremendously. Another way in which you can help us tremendously 
is to give us a rating and if you really feel like it, a review as well. Yeah. In particular, what we've been pushing this season is haiku reviews. Reviews that are nice, because that's all I want to hear. I just want to hear praise. I just want to lock myself in an echo chamber of compliments and praise, but delivered in traditional haiku format. So it's something that I'm pushing just for a little bit of fun. Of course, if you don't want to do that, you don't have to. You just do, do whatever you want to do. You know, it's, it's fine. It's, it's all right. You know, there's, there's no expectation. It's just there if you want it. As is the Dimed Out Patreon account. And what a seamless link that was as I just barrel roll through the outro to this episode. If you are looking for more content, and I don't know why on earth you would be, but if you are, then don't worry because there is plenty more content for you to get, including a bonus episode at the end of the month, live stream Q&As, access to our Discord channel, bunch of stuff. You can go check it out via the Patreon link, which you can find in the show notes, or if you've got a browser ready and raring to go, you can also find us at patreon.com forward slash dined out. But do have a look in the show notes for this episode, and every episode, because there's always going to be links in there for other stuff as well, including how you can get in touch with me directly on the social medias, particularly Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at I am Mal Foster, but as I say, links are, are down there, so if you just want to, you know... Give that a boop, it'll take you right there. Alright gang, so boops, links and shameless plugging aside, that really is it for this week. As always, look after yourselves, look after each other, and until next time, keep it dying out. (laughs) 